This is Tyler and Adam's Pretentious Podcast. Uh, we're back. Uh, this is uh, episode 13, and tonight we're joined by Miles Greb. Uh, Miles, would you like to let's just dive into it? Do you want to take a second to uh, introduce yourself to everybody and uh, kind of give the listeners a little uh, backstory on yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a comic book writer. Uh, I write a few different series. Most of them are pretty good. Um, I do a bunch of science advocacy stuff. I was one of the guys behind the March for Science. Um, I'm a failed folk singer in my old life. <laughs> and um, I run a podcast with Trey the Explainer called the Plastic Plesiosaur Podcast, where we look into um, different like mysteries and cool stories around archaeology, history, and then like we watch an episode of Monster Quest each time and kind of clown on it, to be honest. But um, <laughs> sometimes we talk about paranormal stuff a little bit, but I, I mostly like um, cryptids because they have a foot in the door of natural stories, so you could talk about them from some kind of scientific angle. But I also just grew up liking cryptids, so it's kind of an excuse, honestly. No, man, hey, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, do you mind uh, giving a little, little more info on the uh, science advocacy side of things? I mean, Adam and I were kind of uh, discussing what that might mean, and we really couldn't pinpoint where exactly that was leading sure so um science advocacy or psychom kind of started really with carl sagan it, it it's basically this idea that you know science is this really complex long-form human process across you know different civilizations and eras and the discoveries of scientists are often kind of cryptic or almost annoying to understand because they can involve lots of math or just so much speciality, right? Like, just think about it. Like, let's say you worked at one car rental place, right? You couldn't go work at another car rental place because you wouldn't know their system. You wouldn't know their prices. And that's just one level of specialization. That's like, doesn't seem crazy. But think about the level of specialization needed to be an astrophysicist than to be a material scientist. So what SciComm people try to do is try to work with and listen to scientists, listen to their stories, and then try to find ways that you can explain them easier to the public. So you can kind of be like, um, you know, that's how you're advocating for science and supporting it. I also, uh, you know, would consider myself a skeptic, like capital S skeptic. Um, and th those are more people that kind of, they're almost like journalists that look into the history of, you know, woo and, you know, fake medical claims or ghosts, paranormal, whatever, and know the history of those things, what kind of claims they are, and then how, you know, we should analyze them. So it's kind of a broad spectrum of things, but, um, that's kind of like what I mean when I say that, but like more specifically in the real world. You know, I was one of the dozen or so people who helped kind of get the March for Science going and kind of create like, you know, a public push to promote more science, you know, at a federal and local level in terms of uh, government involvement. So that's that's awesome, man. So you say you say you're a skeptic with a capital S. So my initial understanding of that was that you were basically and don't take this the wrong way that you were mm -hmm. just kind of a. Uh, your, your hobby was just raining on people's parades, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to no, say it. No, that's fine. Yeah, so, like, so unfortunately, it can seem like that sometimes, right? Because someone's like, hey, dude, I bet there's a fucking monster in that lake. <laughs> and I'd be like, wow, that sounds awesome as hell. Like, how, like did you see him? And he's like, well, no, dude. But, like, I know a guy. And he kind of <laughs> maybe got a photo of it. And I'm like, oh, shit, can I see the photo? And they're like, no. 
And I'm like, oh, well, okay. I'm just going to assume there's not a monster in the lake. Now, you can say that I'm like raining on the parade, but like I am a proponent of the I want there to be a monster in the lake party, right? right. If, if that monster swam up to me and like bit my leg off, my first reaction would not be like, fuck, there's my leg. I'd be like, that's awesome, man. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like I, I want it to happen. I want to be wrong. So I like all this stuff. You know, I write comic books. I love fantastical things. I, I, I love all the paleolithic creatures that used to exist. And so the idea that there's some large megafauna out there we don't know is, is beautiful and romantic to me. And I love it. But my thing is, is it fucking true? You know, that's that's reasonable, man. So you're it's not that you don't want to believe this stuff, you're just adamant about proof. Well, so what it is is, um, like science is not a collection of facts or a group of people or any kind of institution, right? Science is, is a way of knowing, it's a methodology that someone says, I wonder if it works like this, and then they have to devise a way to prove their wondering wrong. Right. So it's about a rigorous bias reduction process to try to get to the right answer. Now, obviously, humans are biased. And so any one individual scientist will have bias, even if they try not to, you know, which is why we have peer review. Right. So we have other people look at it and then it's only as good as it works in a model that explains the truth of other things. Right. Like a good a good theory will be true if it's applied to anything that's adjacent to it. So like if it. Uh, geology or chemistry would all correspond together and work. So like when we're trying to figure out what's real in the world, that's what we're trying to do. It's not that we're trying to just disprove things to be a jerk, but as we understand the world, we have to admit that sometimes our perceptions are just not true. And you could say that's sad, right? Like, like when I talk about like monster phenomenon, monster quest, it's mostly we're talking about it as an interesting cultural phenomenon. Like, why do people think they're seeing Bigfoot? Because, of course, I don't believe they're seeing Bigfoot. I don't think that really makes any sense. You think but, maybe they are, they're looking, uh, it's sort of like the whole uh, phenomenon of, like, looking for patterns that aren't there, that humans are yeah, there for? Yeah, pareidolia. Um, oh, that's what it's called. There we go. There yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so, like, but it's not just that. So, like, like in my hypothesis is basically um, for Bigfoot, is that when we colonize North America, when Europeans colonized North America, there's like this destruction of the wilderness and destruction of the people that lived here. And this was their land. And we slowly kill the idea of the wilderness. And there's almost like this grief. There's this grief that we've done this, not just the, the genocide of, of the people that lived here, but the destruction of the wilderness. Because I think that all cultures love the idea of the horizon, of the beyond, of the place that you can adventure to, that there's something else you can find that you don't know of. It's, it's a very romantic idea. And, and Bigfoot is this large, hairy creature that is just right outside of the tree line that you just can almost see. He is like a symbol of the woods. He's large. He's powerful. He's like the king of the forest that we just can't quite find. And I think people love that idea. And you can look at it from a psychological perspective of why people think they're seeing it. And that's interesting as well. So, like, you can talk about the Bigfoot phenomenon and like the Bigfoot phenomenon, but not find any of the arguments that it's a biological creature convincing. So when, I'm not trying to debunk the biological hypothesis, because really, I don't think 
anyone's done a great job of trying to demonstrate that it's actually true. Um, I'm just trying to look at it from, I think, the most realistic perspective that we can. And I think it's those. So, Well, hey, man, no, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a huge amount of sense. It's like my logic with Bigfoot and a lot of these other cryptids is, you know, these people swear by their existence and they have for a long time. Like, you know, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever you want to call him. Like there have been, you know, sightings for years and years over now. And and yet by now, like after all these years, we still don't have any conclusive proof. And it's I, I don't know. It's uh, it's like, why? Why haven't we found proof after all these years? Yeah. And you, you can argue, of course, that there's some possibility that there are animals of large size. Obviously, there's animals of smart, smaller sizes that we haven't found that exist. Because, you know, in uh, the 70s, we found the Mega Mouth Shark, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's a deep sea creature. So, like, it's possible. Like, is it possible that a large animal exists that we don't know about it? It's decreasing every year, but it's not an unfathomable idea. But the thing with Bigfoot is there's no need for that hypothesis. We don't need the unlikely hypothesis that a great ape is in North America when there's no great apes in the fossil record of North America. Right, that's a problem. Like, like if great apes evolved here, we would have records of them most likely. Like we have records in Asia, but now you're hoping that they moved to Asia through the Barren Strait, came to North America, and they developed bipedalism along the way because the great apes we have were quadrupedal. So, like, you're just your 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 hypothesis is getting more and more complex, and so it's becoming less and less likely. Um. But the hypothesis that it's a cultural phenomenon works perfectly well and explains a lot of other cryptids. Like on the podcast, the other on my podcast, the Plastic Pleases for podcast, I explain like with Chupacabra, we we know how it started. A woman watched the movie Species, which is like a, a weird, sexy, mediocre sci-fi movie from the nineties. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I, remember uh, the, I remember the cover at the movie store, but I don't remember the movie itself. <laughs> yeah, G Gagger from Alien worked on it a little bit, but like the movie itself didn't turn out very good. But there's a hot girl and it turns into a monster. That's basically the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this this lady in Mexico watched the film. She like had a dream that she saw the chupacabra, or you know was scared about the chupacabra, whatever. Uh, she tells it to the. There was no idea of the chupacabra before. She just saw the species monster, basically. She tells it to the newspaper. They write a story about it because, you know, fun story. Someone saw this at a monster. Now, all of a sudden, people start seeing the monster. And so wait, then wait. The, the chupacabra has only been a concept since the 90s? Is that what early, you're saying? Yeah, early 90s, yeah. Wow. You see, I pictured this being a thing that's been a legend for, like, you know, hundreds of years or something. That's yeah, cool. and, well, and Bigfoot's only really been a legend since the 50s. See, right. that's another thing that I I just assume this was like a tale that's been handed down from generation to yeah. generation. People people profit old stories. They try to profit um, different groups of Native American cultural stories into Bigfoot's phenomenon, but that's like kind of bullshit. <laughs> just like <laughs> basic, basically, like there's a story like, oh, this is the hairy man, but if you go look into it, the hairy man's a bear. Right, or it's just a completely different idea of a creature that like has supernatural abilities and stuff, and it wouldn't be a large ape. You know, they're just trying to retrofit in. But basically, one one guy really created the Bigfoot phenomenon in America. 
and everybody's just been ripping on the meme that he made. And like all the cryptids are basically just memes. They start out a little weird. Like if like Loch Ness Monster wasn't a plesiosaur or even fully aquatic, it like walked on land the first time someone said they saw it. <clears throat> but but it doesn't matter because like eventually people like the meme more that it's a lake monster. So that's eventually you stop seeing the weird outlier sightings. Everybody just sees the sighting everybody knows because you know everybody wants that good meme. And that's just how it is. So is uh like you know the concept of Bigfoot, um, yeah. the concept of chupacabra. Uh, are these prominent phenomena in other countries, or is this primarily a North American thing? So no, I think this has been happening for a long time, and there's there's definitely ones in other countries. I know more about the ones in the English speaking world because you know that's my bias. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the, the Yeti, of course, is is the one that kind of helped create Bigfoot as well. But the Yeti, you know, never was a, a bipedal large monster. That's something that happened when Europeans tried to translate, uh, you know, a Napoleon myth. So, like, that this this happens all over. I mean, like, Japan has all kinds of weird cryptid monsters. But like, if they're older, if they're, you're talking three, four hundred years ago, they they, you know, you have much more higher rates of religiosity and much more dedication to religiosity. People are going to see these things and call them demons. You know, they're not going to—they're not cryptids. Like they become cryptids when more secular, more materialist people see them because, like, the things they're seeing in the woods are no longer, you know, a specter or a shade or some kind of, like, like demonic force. It, it has to be a monster because that's the worldview they have. So these things, people seeing stuff that's not there, goes on forever. You know, and like I, I think those conversations, I feel like, have scientific importance. Like the question of, you know. If there's some kind of relic reptile in Loch Ness, I don't think has much scientific importance. Um, can debunking the actual scientific claims be interesting? I think if you do them in a way that teaches somebody about a cool principle, can be. But like, like I said, I'm not really interested in doing it just to shit on people, right? Like that's that's not that's that's not what I'm about. Because like the the root of wanting to see cryptids or some of these conspiracy claims is curiosity you know and so i don't want to put down people for being curious even if they reach you know nonsensical or the wrong conclusions so um yeah i I have a question for you to follow that up with um Mm -hmm. we had a flat earther on our show not that long ago yeah i listened to half of that gotcha okay (laughs) um i was told that you might have an explanation or an understanding of not necessarily to support that claim, but as to why people believe that. Yeah, so I I don't want to go on debunking flat Earth because because in my opinion, flat Earth is not like a serious claim. Right. Um, I it, I think flat Earth is tied up in a culture, a couple things. Um, like again, I'm not a psychologist. This is not a scientific theory. This is my kind of hunch. Mm. Um, but it seems to me that people need these new worldviews and they come up. I don't see QAnon or flat earth being different from each other. They're basically the same thing. You have these internet born subcultures of people who create all these videos where they anomaly hunt, which is where you look for something weird in a video or some, some happening that might be innocuous, but it just, Oh, what was that? Right. Yeah. And then like people need to explain it. So they're like creating their own little religion. And then a culture arises from this need to explain things. And then more people need to find new anomalies to have new identities. And you just get this community that builds up around it. 
And it doesn't really matter what the claim is. Like, like Flat Earth is, is a ridiculous on its face claim, right? Like, it's just, it's just totally nonsensical. But it doesn't really matter what it is. It's the same with, like, ghost hunting groups, right? Like, ghosts make no sense. There's no room in any scientific understanding of anatomy for a ghost to exist. Now, now I don't know about that. I mean, we're I getting know. into a little bit of pseudoscience there. Um, what is – while we don't have any, you know, mm -hmm. physical proof of a uh, reason for there to be ghosts, um, I mean, we can't we – we can't identify a physical soul. So – well, there's no need for a soul, is what I would argue. Like, it, 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 there's no function that there, there's no question that we have that would need a soul to be answered by. Is what I'm saying. Hmm. Like, like science, science doesn't disprove outright things, really. Like, unless it's like a very narrow mathematical thing. But like, like, like science, like science won't tell you that there's not um, an ocean full of life somewhere under the Earth. We don't know that right now. Like, like science can't tell you that there's not um invisible dragons that circle around the sun we don't yet know that i can't answer that question um is there any need for the explanation that there's invisible dragons that circle around the sun like is there any bit of evidence that is explained well by that no well, like I, I don't know man i i myself mm -hmm. I mean, you know this this leads into another question that i kind of sure. wanted to touch base with you with uh considering you know you being a skeptic and all uh, what is your what is your take? And I kind of feel like I already know the answer to this. What's your take on you know religion and in turn the afterlife? Okay, um, so I grew up very religious. Um, I was a Christian apologist, so I would argue with people um, on behalf of religion and that you know there was a God, etc. Um, I was not a creationist, um, but I was very religious. Uh, I am now an atheist. Uh, I would call myself an anti-theist. It's, it's my opinion that um, religion is a negative force for the world, which causes people to accept um, things that aren't true because they have a high amount of like cultural integrity or meaning to them or theological meaning to them. And I think that when people get a narrative in their head that's not based on reality, um, it can cause good people to do bad things. Um, like... A, a person would not want to cause violence or be oppressive or bigoted to another one. Um, but if their religion suggested that it's right for them to do so, they may do it because they're working on a series of different premises than you. And I think religion is not the only thing that can do that. Um, you know, political things can do that as well, but religion is the most tuned. It's had the most practice learning how to do it. And I think history has shown it's the most capable. And so I think religion is kind of anti-human and dangerous in that way. I think it teaches us that we are not sufficient and we are not good enough. Uh, and that's not something I support. So. And I, I can't say I disagree with you. And I mean, I don't really know Adam's stance on this entirely, but uh, Adam, do you have any, anything? Oh, no, I totally agree with you. Like I was raised in the church and like I went to church well up until I was almost 20 and then just kind of drifted away from it after critically assessing everything and being like, well, this is kind of how I was raised and not really what I'm thinking for myself. Yeah. For, for me, it, whenever I look at religion, I've always seen it as sort of, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to use the words uh, crowd control, but that's kind of my interpretation of it. Um, you know, I am not religious myself. I consider myself spiritual and that's where we differ. And that's why when, when you mentioned, 
you know, ghosts and uh, you brushed over the concept of the soul and uh, there not being a need for it. Yeah, I don't, know. See, I don't know what a soul means. I don't know what that word means. Like, like I don't, okay. I don't have a concept of what it could mean as the a word. Spiritual essence of a human being beyond the, you know, the physical, beyond what we can prove. I guess so, the. So I, I understand what I understand what the word "beyond we could prove" means. Like I do, I do know what that means. I don't know what "beyond physical" means. Like we, we don't have. Um, I don't think we We're ever will. Vessels. Yeah, we we don't. I don't think that we will ever conclusively be able to prove the existence of the soul. Is what I'm saying. But that's all faith based, anyway. Yeah, I guess. I guess in. I guess in a way that that is just faith. I have faith in the idea that there is a like a greater essence beyond what we can prove at that point. Yeah. Well, so I mean, like. Look, I, I agree with you. There's things we can't prove that may be true, right? I mean, like, a, a historian will tell you that. There's things that happened in the past that we have no way to prove the way they went down, right? But, like, something happened. So, like, I... But, like, it, it, is there a soul, yes or no? Like, I, I don't really know what it means. Like, I'm not trying to be glib there. Like, I know it can kind of sound annoying for me to ask that. But, like, <laughs> um, but really, like, I mean... What phenomenon are we trying to explain with okay. the soul? Okay, maybe maybe a good bridge into that mm -hmm. um, would be you know, the source of consciousness, okay. for example. Okay, so yeah. So, like, consciousness is a really interesting emergent property, right? Like, like it's pretty spectacular. So, so far, we only know of one planet that's been able to produce replicating molecules that could lead to complexity that has led to us. And that seems pretty baller, right? Humanity's pretty cool. Like we suck sometimes, but like we made chocolate and hamburgers and stuff and like three good star Wars movies. So that's pretty good. Um, but like th this process that of, of consciousness, like, it, I think it's completely describable by materialistic events. It, it, it is an emergent property of self-awareness, right? J just like, um, like when does something become a Beatles song, right? Like it, it takes all these different little parts, all these different notes and meanings and language. And then eventually it just becomes a Beatles song. You could take one little bit away and you're like, oh, it's still it's still a Beatles song. You take one little bit away. But at some point, it isn't anymore. And it's hard to really point out where that is, which is kind of how consciousness it is. It's kind of hard to point out when all these small biochemical reactions in your brain that help you become self-aware and function really turn on consciousness. But they do. And we know that because we can start fucking with your brain and then we start fucking with your consciousness. Like that, like, and we know where those spots are. We know what those chemicals are, just like we know the notes and know how to play a song. But we can't really a hundred percent say when the song becomes a Beatles song or when it doesn't. But we know how to get there, and we know what it looks like when we get there. So, like, what does the soul do? It, it is the soul just a poetic term for like, you know, our human essence is fine. I don't have a problem with it, like poetic, like. Yeah, humanity seems special, right? Like we seem special, and I think it's fine to say that. Um, but I, I mean, 
we know where our brains come from evolutionarily. Like they don't just show up one day. So like, it's, I don't know. <laughs> so that's rambly, but I mean like they, they don't just pop into existence. They come from a line of sapiens that came from a line of different mammals, which came from a line of reptiles. And we're like, we see the evolution of it. Like we see the building of it. So like, where's the magic soul come from? When did it pop into existence? <laughs> well, no, no, no. And you know, I brought that up because I, I figured you would have some, some sort of clever re retort to that, and uh, lo and behold, you did, man. Well, don't hold me to the cleverness, please. I, I, <laughs> I, I've I've been working all day, man. I'm tired, and you know, I'm just rambling with you guys. So. I, I hear you <laughs> on that too, man. But uh, okay, so you're basically your your take on it is that like consciousness, self awareness is purely evolutionary, then, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I I don't think that there is a such thing as a non physical thing. Hmm. I think everything is physical. There's, there's nothing that's non-physical. Like, like even, a, even a photon has mass. It's incredibly small, but it does. Like, everything exists in some field of existence. Okay. Like, yeah. Uh, and it, it's so far as we know and can understand. You know, okay. like, like... I'm sorry. Continue, man. I'll, I'll I'm sorry. No, no, no. I want to hear what you have to say. I don't mean to speak over your... But I just oh. meant to say, like, so far as we know and understand. Because, like... I, I'm not claiming to have all the answers. I'm not an expert physicist, man. Not at all. You know, I'm just, th this is my understanding. And this is what, um, this is how science operates on. And when it does, it works. It doesn't have any need for non-physical things to exist. Like, they don't have to put them into the accounting. Like, we tricked a rock into thinking and a screen into making light, right? Like, like your phone is a bunch of rocks. And we made them, like, think and talk and communicate. And we did this through like math and chemistry and electronics. And when all the people who worked on this stuff for thousands of years of collective human knowledge, none of them put the soul or any non-material concepts into their equations to get these <laughs> outcomes and they got the outcomes. So like if there are non-material things so far, they're not doing a damn thing. No, I, uh, I can respect that. I have not really considered it. I mean, quite the way you put it. Um, but you know, to lead into that, just just to get your you know your opinion on the mm -hmm. idea of hallucinogenics, and you mm -hmm. know, some people, but you know, throughout human history, we have consumed uh, you know various substances that, through I guess chemical reaction, have caused these profound spiritual experiences. What? How do you? How would you really explain that? you know, beyond just being a chemical reaction in the brain, or is that all it is? You know, well, I, yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, yeah, it's a chemical reaction, but profound experiences matter. Like, I'm not, like, when I say it's just a chemical in a, a brain, I mean, look, dude, the the glow, when, like, when you go see a movie, right? like, like, like a really good fucking movie, like, you see in Jurassic Park, and you're nine years old, right? Like, that, what, what you're seeing is photons, like, being replicated, off a bit of film, which is a, a, a chemical little paste. And then what you're seeing is a bunch of lies and actors, right? It's this giant thing of chemicals and physics shooting out Jurassic Park. And you're sitting there with your little sapien brain in a chair and you're looking at it and it feels awesome. You're a nine year old watching Jurassic Park. The fact that it's all chemicals, does that make it not magical or not awesome or not important? I don't think so. I, I don't think that thinking about it just physical makes it worse. I think it makes it awesome. Like, think how cool it is that 
everything that appears to exist, we could measure. We could understand it that deeply. Like, that's pretty cool. That means that the mysteries of the universe are not beyond our grasp. They might be on our capability technologically, or at least what we can imagine, but we're going to find out more and more about the universe because there's not some magical spectral plane that's hiding it from us. It's just if we can imagine the math or the technology. So it, right now it just comes down to uh, the limited, our limited perception as humans and, and being able to only understand what we understand and anything beyond that is, 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 am I making sense here? I don't even know if I'm making sense of what I'm trying to no, say. No, it's fine, man. We're talking about a bunch of random big concepts and rapid succession. So don't, you know, I, I probably said something stupid in the last five minutes. So don't worry about it, man. Just get out what you got to get but, out. It's good. But no, it's, uh, I mean, I kind of see exactly, I see what you're saying and it makes sense to me. I mean, I have not really looked at things like that before. I guess I would consider myself, I don't want to say I romanticize the, I guess the unknown, but I'm a believer. Like I believe in the, you know, the spiritual unknowns and all of that stuff. I believe in aliens and I, you know, that's another thing that I, I want to brush with you at some sure. point. What's your take on uh, extraterrestrials, man? Like that's a, that's another big one that I want to hear, but um, I don't know, man, like before we get into that, I'm just trying to figure out the words yeah. I'm trying to say. So basically there is an explanation. There is a logical answer to everything that it's just a matter of whether or not well, the lo logic logic is a human construct right like we're lo logic is a way that our brain has used to describe and understand things that comes to right answers more often than not you know like i, I i'm not saying that we're always going to be able to understand everything i i'm just saying that as far as our our best means of knowing things is science like when we use science we get better and more frequent answers than when we use anything else like, I think somebody that even believed in a lot of stuff that I might not believe in would be hard-pressed to disagree with that because science delivers the goods, right? Like, no spiritual thing is helping this conversation work or, or recording my voice or sending it through the internet. It, it is a science, baby. It, it's doing the work, <laughs> you know? So, like, like, when we use it, it works, and it works really well, and it keeps working. I'm not saying that we'll never make a method better than science, or logic. It's just that these things work and the other things so far aren't producing any results, right? But like when it comes to like these phenomenons or romanticizing it or understanding the stuff like like look man, we're we're an animal that evolved in Africa in order to survive in the savanna. Our like our brain we we've only been civilized for like 25,000 maybe 45,000 years of like this complex society, like hardware wise, we're the same creatures, but our brains didn't evolve for this kind of thinking and stuff. Like we had to develop processes. Like, of course, we're going to see weird stuff at the corner of our eye and make up stories about it. Because, you know, if you think you see a snake, you should assume it's a snake. You shouldn't question that it's a snake. And so like, that's just the way our brains evolve. So like, I, I think you got to keep that in mind that like, we're not always going to be able to figure everything out. And um, the universe isn't always going to be intuitive to us. Like, what does a what does a, a bipedal creature trying to live in the savanna every day? Like, wh what? Do, why would their brain evolve to be able to understand the Big Bang? It's not. Like, we had to develop processes to help us understand it. You can't intuit it. You know, I think people 
kind of hate the fact that your intuition isn't good enough to understand the universe. But like, I mean, even like the flat earth guy you had on, is he going to argue that atoms don't exist? Like, does it suck that it takes somebody with expertise and technology that you don't have to look at these atoms and see that they work? Like your brain can't intuit atoms, but tough shit. Atoms exist. Deal with it. <laughs> like, I mean, look, we're not all smart enough to do things. Like I have dyslexia pretty bad and that makes it like hard for me to do complex math. So I, I can't go into the science field as deeply as I wanted to tough shit, you know, like it doesn't mean they're wrong. Like, and we all have, different shortcomings that prevent our personal understanding, but that's why science is collective. We're trying to figure this stuff out together. So get on board. That, that is, I don't really think uh, anybody's ever quite put it so uh, clearly and bluntly. And I feel like after this, I need to go stand by a lake and think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no man. Like you This is what my comic is about. So go buy it on my website after the gold space. Yeah, and you know, you know, aside from the, uh, your plug just now, we'll let you uh, plug yourself a little yeah, bit more. Right, in but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll make sure everybody has uh, yeah. you know, the, a means to uh, getting to the things you create, man. We make a point to do that whenever possible. Thanks, guys. But uh, Adam, do you have anything off the bat that you want to chime in with? Like we were discussing, uh, like aliens. You know, you, you know what, Adam? What? Let me let me okay. steal this away yeah, for a second. Good. I don't want to forget about this. I want to hear your take on extraterrestrial life, man. Don't know. You just don't know? That's it? Know. No idea. I don't <laughs> think we know. I don't think anyone has a good idea. I don't think we know how to find out. Be real cool. Just don't know. Do you think that humans, uh, just life on Earth in general, do you think this is special? Or do you think that there's more of a likelihood that there is life out there than not? Also, I don't know. Um, oh, man. <laughs> no, no here, here's why. Here's why. So a lot of people like to use the argument of big numbers, right? Basically, you're re-rolling the dice so often, you're going to come up with a natural 20, which is life, right? You're going you're gonna to get hits because the universe is so big. But here's the thing. The way that we know life can exist, we don't know other ways. So far, we know self-replicating molecules in semi-stable environments over like 2 billion years can produce what we'd call life, right? Like complex, eukaryotic, replicating dudes, right? Little dudes with feet or fins or whatever. Little guys with eyes. Um, that takes quite a while. Now, if you're going to start rolling, the, if you're going to use the big number argument, saying that, oh, so it must happen a lot because there's so many chances, you got to think every single time that molecule replicates and makes a new complex thing, you also have to roll the dice to see if something stops it from doing that. Either some massive chemical destruction, because like all life almost got wiped out on Earth by an oxidization event, right? Like oxygen like quadrupled like four times in a couple thousand years on Earth and almost killed everything. Like there was a massive holocaust on life because of an oxygen explosion for millions of years. Like, and that's a that's a a mundane event compared to what can happen. Like Life could have been created on Earth two separate times. We don't know. Like, we don't know. So, like, every time you're trying to say, like, oh, well, I'm going to roll the dice, you have to roll the did it take any damage dice as well, right? So, like, how many life-destroying events are there? Like, there can be massive life-destroying events, like um, just complete collapses of planets, um, solar flares, deaths of suns, supernovas. You don't know. 
Like the thing is, we only have one hit, right? We don't know how life got created on Earth yet. We don't know. We know how it replicated once it started going. We have a couple ideas, but we don't really know exactly how life started on Earth. So we can't really say what the rules are for starting life. We can set some guidelines, like the pirates and the pirates of Caribbeans, but that's about it. And I know that sometimes it sucks to say we don't know, but if you're trying to be honest about the world, a lot of times you just got to say we don't know. You know, once again, it's just not the answer I expected from you. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, I guess now, but I thought maybe you would be more pro possibility or uh, it doesn't sound like you're anti. Yeah, I honestly really just don't know. I have no idea. I'm not sure how we would know right now. I think. I, I would like there to be more creatures and dudes running around, you know, like that'd be awesome. I'm definitely a proponent of it. Like emotionally, like I I'd like it to be true, but I just do not have any idea if there are other advanced life forms out there or if we'd ever have any capability of reaching them or them to us. I just don't know. Or, or if we'd even be able to communicate. True. Yeah, we don't even. I mean, even if they, even if there are extraterrestrials, we can't be sure that they would even be in a form that we would, you know, recognize. I mean, they could be gaseous, they could be interdimensional beings, or you know, any number of other things that we, we're we're limited to the spectrum that our eyes can see, which is, from my knowledge of it, uh, very limited. I mean cats see differently than us so we don't even know if we would be able to see them if they were you know standing right in front of us so i mean that's a good argument um so when humans create like religious concepts right where they have a god who can do absolutely anything they make hell a fiery pit because that's something humans can acknowledge and understand and they make heaven nice and floaty clouds or a beautiful garden where there's lots of food it's pretty mundane it's not spectacular it's not weird. It's stuff that you would see and feel and can understand. So, like, our concept of aliens is kind of similar. You know, they're pretty humanoid after all. Even if it's a squid monster, the squid monster likes beer or he walks around, you know, like, it's <laughs> it's never that weird. And now, it could totally be true that there's just an actual limit on what kind of self-replicating molecules can work and that carbon-based ones are the best. And that bipedalism is a really good strategy evolutionarily, and it helps lead to higher intelligence. Could be true. That actually could be true. It's not unreasonable to say that other intelligent life would probably look kind of like humans. But the thing is, we don't know and we can't test it. So science doesn't have the answers. And I don't think anybody else really has the answers. So we just got to wait to find out. Sorry. I, I mean, like, I want to know, but, you know, but if we do find life, it's probably going to be boring. Just it's not going to be eukaryotic, most likely. So that's going to suck. Yeah, it's super underwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Well, so like on life, most cells that exist are beneath the earth and are non-eukaryotic. What is what, Can you uh, elaborate on that? I'm sorry. Multi, multicellular singular cell. Basically. Okay. Yeah, Thanks. so bring like, it down to bring it down to uh layman's right. so, so like like a dog is an eukaryotic life form, right? Okay. It's an animal. <laughs> just say an animal. You got an animal, right? Um versus like like a virus you can argue is life, but some people argue it's not life because it's like RNA based. But like, you know, bacteria is life, right? But like 
that's most cells. It's like sitting under the earth as bacteria. And so like if we find life on another planet, maybe it's just that. And that's going to be really cool, but it's also going to be a little disappointing because, you know, you don't get to make out with it or go to war with it or anything. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the whole point of finding aliens, right? Yeah, right? I mean, I like to imagine that there is, you know, another Earth-like planet far away where there's, you know, some humanoid beings chilling there making their own podcast talking about whether or not we're out here somewhere. Uh, yeah. They're actively ignoring us. Please don't let them know we're here. Do you do you believe in <laughs> do you believe in aliens, Adam? I believe in the possibility of aliens. Oh, I guess everybody's see, I'm I'm the only one here, I guess. It's like, yeah, there's probably <laughs> aliens. But I'm with Miles on this one. If I don't have proof, it ain't there. You know, what's the what's your take on the possibility that we came here from another planet? It's it's a feasible hypothesis. There's no good evidence for it right now. Um if we found Evidence of RNA or DNA DNA based life on like Eucelius or Titan or Mars, then I think the odds of that hypothesis would increase. Um, it doesn't prove it, but I mean, like the fact that it, the same model of life seems to be skipping around the same solar system would make you go, "Oh, I wonder if this is actually happening." Right? Mm. But we don't currently know, so it's more of a preponderance than it is like actual theory. And, you know, uh, to reverse that, you know, uh, the question was, you know, the possibility of us coming to Earth from another planet. But what do you, you know, as a skeptic, I want to know your opinion on the this idea that humans are going to somehow colonize Mars. Like Elon Musk is really pushing for that to happen sooner than later. Do you think it's possible and do you think it's a good idea? Well, so I don't particularly like Elon Musk as a person or as a person doing psychom, but that's neither here nor there. Um, do I do I think we could colonize Mars? Could humans do that? Yes, we could. Um, do I? It, it's definitely possible. We can create artificial atmospheres, right? Humans can live under the ocean. Um, like it can be done. Is it easy to do? Fuck no. Um, like Mars sucks. It's like the it's worse than any place on Earth. It's garbage. Like there's, it has like none of the resources we need, and except for like s small pockets of that. Like obviously the atmosphere is terrible. It's cold. The days aren't the same. We didn't evolve to live there. Like we don't want to live on Mars. Like is it something? If we have way more advanced technology and it's way easier to synthesize resources, it's more you know place to live. I. I could see the argument that it's good for humans to be on more than one planet, of course, but like, it's just not like an easy or that like workable of a plan. Do you, I, think, do you think that it's at some point in the future, you know, when humanity is, we're, we're growing at a much more rapid rate than we're, you know, dying off at this point. Um, do you think at any point it would be necessary for us to go interplanetary in order to, keep from uh, burning earth out of its resources and well, kind of screw I, ourselves here. I think that um, it's possible for humans to reach a better equilibrium with their resources. People just don't do it. Um, part of that is because like for your larger countries, like America, the right wing tends to not believe in global warming or better resource management. And the left has really bad ideas on how to solve it that have become popular 
so they don't listen to the newest science. Where other large countries like China do listen to the newest science, but don't really give a fuck. Um, so, like, you have a lot of problems with that. As for, like, if we need to, I don't think we need to colonize Mars. But, I mean, like, you're asking me to kind of just shoot the shit on a question about what's going to be true a thousand years from now. It's kind of hard. But, but it's, um, your, it's just your uh, your take on things. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't expect you to have, like, a definitive yeah, answer. I get Look, I, I would like to. It sounds cool. I want to do it because it sounds rad. Um, I want humanity to grow and explore the stars and learn things. I think we'd learn a lot from it. Um, I'd be worried about it being equitable. A lot of times when we've colonized things, it hasn't been equitable. Um, so I would definitely not want a corporation to do it. And, you know, governments haven't been great at doing it either. So uh, I don't know. It's a question I'm interested in. Uh, I'd say I generally support the idea of colonizing Mars one day, but I'm pretty skeptical of any current ideas to do so. I don't think it's going to happen in the next few hundred years. So, so Mr. Musk is. Do uh, you think he's just blowing smoke with his plan? I mean, he's talking. You know, to begin, like he's talking the end of 2030 to having yeah. the, the first. Uh, you know, steps of a colony going. Is that just yeah. uh, Smokey's blowing us right now, or I, I think that SpaceX has um, really good reusable rockets, and that's a good technology, and they should continue to focus on that. Um, NASA will be trying to reposition on Mars right now, or sorry, on the Moon. I think we need to have a Moon base before we have a Mars base, because it's much easier to regroup and send things from the Moon to Mars. Um, obviously, a Mars base is more romantic and badass. <laughs> but like it's not the most realistic or smart plan right now. I also think people were more are more likely to die if we just try to shoot to Mars straight up. And so far, the NASA has had a fantastic um, morality, uh, mortality rate in its um, manned space missions. And I think that's a tradition we should try to stick to. Yeah, I mean Elon Musk. Just I think he straight up said in an interview not long ago that uh, we should just flat out expect a lot of people to die. Yeah. I think he's right about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just like, I, I don't know. I, I would be willing to die to help us colonize Mars. I think that's a reasonable thing for an individual to give their life for, but I don't think that it's the right thing to do for us right now. I don't think it really helps us, especially since, um, now I think it's a fallacy to say like, um, like so some people have different interests, right? Like some people might be really good at like helping the salmon return to the river, or they might be really good at like building solar panels, or they might be really good at making wheat grow more sustainably. You don't have to argue about which one of things is the best. People can do their interests. So I, I'm saying that climate change is a bigger engineering feat. Obviously, some people want to work on space stuff, and I, I support that. I'm not against that. But if we're doing this Mars thing right now, it, it seems like a little bit of a vanity project. And I would rather the resources be put in um, fixing our climate, which is the only known workable ecosystem in the universe, other than trying to make a second semi-workable ecosystem that we don't know if we could do. So, I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's that's logical. I mean, once again, I am on the I really hope we colonize Mars side of the fence. <laughs> but, you know, I guess we're kind of seeing... Uh, it's probably going to be a trend that I'm uh, pro doing the crazy shit at this point. Yeah, well, <laughs> if it if it happens the way like I'm envisioning it, 
then yes. Right. Like, I mean, if we can just get people on there and we're on Mars, like in the next 40 years and like, there's very few deaths and like, it's fair and we're being careful to not mess up Mars and we're learning a lot. And like, we're also putting resources into other important endeavors on earth then hell yeah. But my thing is, I don't know if that's the way it's going to be. So that gives me pause. No, that's, that's fair enough, man. Um, you know, I, I just want to make sure we have time to be able to kind of circle through some of the other things that I kind of wanted to talk to you about, like your comic books. We've had, a, yeah. couple of, uh, we've had a couple of comic book guys on here now, and uh, more more than I actually thought we would. Whenever bunch, we just... bunch of nerds, man. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, it's, it's awesome. But um, you want to let's uh, you want to kind of slide away from the the science and crushing my dreams side of things. Oh, <laughs> no, look, man. Like I said, there's so no, many no, things to learn in this universe, dude. Don't get sad. No, no, I, I mean it lightheartedly. It's no, uh, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, this is one thing that you talked about in the, with your, the flatter Charlotte guy you had on. Um, look, how can I say this? Let, let's just say this. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to change. What I'm going to say there's a lot of stuff. That's really cool that we don't know. For example, we don't freaking know how gravity works, dude. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, we know, like, the very basic interaction, but we don't know if there's gravitons or what. It's a completely open mystery. So, like, there's, like, so much cool stuff to still figure out. And, like, there's so many dinosaurs that existed that we don't know. And there's so many awesome giant mammals that existed we don't know. Or things about history. Like... There's fantastic mysteries in history. Like the the Egyptians talked about the sea people coming in and kicking their ass. And we have no idea who the sea people were. Like so much <laughs> cool shit. To, there's just so much cool stuff to learn. So just because there's not a Bigfoot or ghosts, you don't got to feel bad. Just like refocus to the mysteries that we're pretty sure have answers. And the, the ghost thing is an opinion. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's an opinion. I think an opinion is you know, Snickers bars are better than Milky Way. I think you think there's some part of the brain that exists. Hey, hey, we have but, no proof that there isn't either. It's like logic would dictate that there probably isn't based on what you're saying. And I can kind of agree with that. But yeah. I mean, you can entertain the possibility because we don't have definitive proof that there's not. Well, we don't have definitive proof that there's not a force around the world that destroys and eats souls and makes it so they can't exist. And that's the beauty of it. I wish there was. But that's my point. So you can like propose anything <laughs> like that, that that isn't falsifiable and say that, you know, we don't know that doesn't exist. And you're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what it does for you. Like, I mean, it's I don't know. I, I think that you're a beautiful, special snowflake and are important, too, man. It does. You don't need a soul. I think that you're cool without it. I think that your big biochemical like fucking reactor up there is working just fine. It doesn't. It doesn't need a soul to be special. So. But it's so sweet. <laughs> no, I, in some weird way, you both. Uh, I feel like you insulted me and complimented me, or made me feel good about myself at the same time. And I don't even know how you did that. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> did you feel good about feeling bad about yourself? <laughs> on on to the comics thing, man. I want to yep. hear about that. Like, tell me about what you uh, what you do on that side of things. Yeah. So the book I'm probably most known for is called After the Gold Rush, and that's the first comic I came out. Uh, had put out and it's a it's a return to optimistic science fiction right like this idea that we can understand things and know things and the world can be better because of it 
you know, because like I kind of got tired of all this like zombie post-apocalyptic bullshit or like a story where someone's like, oh, I invented a better computer. And the computer's like, guess what, motherfucker? Machine guns and kills everybody. Like, I'm, I'm just tired of that kind of storyline. <laughs> you know, so like, yeah, after the gold rush is the story of, of Scout and she's the last scientist. And, and she returns to Earth to find it in the state of wilderness, you know, but it, it's not post-apocalyptic. Something else has happened. Science has been traded away. So she has to try to figure out what that is, deal with the people that live there, and return science to the world. Um, so I have the complete uh, first arc of that out now. It's on my website. Uh, you can get it for 25 bucks shipped. Or if you live in the great Northwest, it's in all the comic book shops up here for 20 bucks, And that's the first five issues. So you should definitely do that. Um, I also Are you have... published Yeah, oh, I'm self-published, yeah. Oh, that's, uh, I mean, that's just even more impressive at that point. But, well, thanks, man. But no, continue, man. Yeah, so then I have Clovis, which is a pre-American Western with giant sloths and woolly mammoths. And it's set 14,000 years ago in North America when some of the first people that were ever here, the Clovis, um, they lived side by side with, you know, saber-toothed cats and woolly mammoths and, and giant sloths. You know, this is the, the era of the, like, the, the Ice Age. And it, it's, it's a realistic science-based look at this region. And it follows a young mother who's looking for her lost son. And when she meets a giant sloth, who she mistakes for a bear at first, so she names him No Bear, and they go on their journey. And, you know, there's a lot of cool things about this early North America that people don't know. Like, you know, horses and camels were both native to North America, but, you know, then they got displaced. And so, like, when horses were reintroduced when the Spanish came over, you know, everyone talks about that introducing horses to America, but actually they evolved here. So, like, we have, like, the, you know, the proto-wild horses from this era. So you get to see kind of how this country used to be a long time ago. So it's kind of a look through history as accurate as I can make it. Um, so those are my two graphic novels that are on my website. You can get, um, and I suggest that you do so. What was your website again? Uh, after the gold rush dot space dot space. Yep. That's and, uh, yeah. So I'm miles grab. I'm the only miles grab in the world. So M I L E S G R E B. You Google me, you'll find me uh, on the Twitters. I'm at gold rush comic. At Gold Rush Comic, yeah, and I mean, hey, I was gonna ask you to plug yourself for the listeners, yeah. but uh, you kind of just did there. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, when you're when you're not when you're not drawing comics and uh, you know raining on people's parades, oh, <laughs> just, you asked me to talk a long time. I feel bad. I talk too much. Just man. just bantering, man. Just, just messing <laughs> with you. Um, what what do you what do you kind of do with your remaining free time? What do you do to decompress from all that? I play Final Fantasy. Which one's your favorite? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, well, Tactics is my favorite of the side games, and then Six is probably my favorite of the main games. Nice. I so probably here. I probably played Eleven the most, but have you uh, messed with uh, the the Final Fantasy fourteen at all? That's been my I, jam recently. I do like fourteen, but my love of Eleven makes me dislike it some because it just makes me nostalgic for Eleven. So right. I don't have as much love for 14, but I don't dislike it. So. As far as the the older ones go, I, I stand by, maybe it's the popular answer, but I still think 7 was the absolute... Well, seven, was 7 your first one? Yes, that was my first, yeah. first so one. That's a popular one. phenomenon. That's um, why I like 8 the most. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people's first Final Fantasy is their favorite, and that's totally understandable. 
my opinion is somebody who's played them like in release order, you know, from regular Nintendo onward. I think six is the best one, but I think seven is the greatest one, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, I think six is a perfect example of the genre. And it tells a really emotional and fantastic story um, at the height of like the Super Nintendo's power. But the thing about seven is it really introduced people to the power of the PlayStation in a way that we didn't know games could really go at that time. And it was so revolutionary as a game, it had this crossover appeal that brought a whole different group of people into this genre that would not be there. And so I think it's greater than six in that regard. Like it had a greater cultural impact. But I mean, those two games are both tens out of ten, so you're really just splitting hairs. So no, that's a good take on that, man. Yeah, yeah I, I I remember that being the highlight of my early childhood. Honestly, yeah. that game and it's uh stuck with me throughout the years. And then the remake came out. Have you played the remake yet? Oh, bro, I'm like the biggest Final Fantasy fan in the world, man. I played the fucking bro, remake day one. Yes. I, I I I spent all my money on this shit. It just it, <laughs> it just didn't. I'll be honest. I would be lying if I said that I. Oh, sorry. I would be lying if I said that I completed it. I haven't even finished it. It just oh, didn't good. appeal to me the way the original did. I don't know. You're too biased. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm just biased on it, and I expected it to be too much like the original. But it just didn't slap the same way, I guess. <laughs> I really like it. I think I. I mean, it's not as good as the original. But it was I mean, beautiful. I mean, it be- like as far as the graphics go, and their the way they rendered everything, it was gorgeous. But it just didn't have that same. And there we go. Sorry. We're gonna have the poor in the background. I'm sorry. There we go. <laughs> well, what I would say is, what's happening is you remember um, being young and being amazed by a story that you couldn't predict and didn't know was out there. And so it's hard to recapture that magic. That's fair. It's and you're expecting fair. this game to make you feel 11 again. And it's just not going to be able to do that. And all I feel is like a 34-year-old playing video games. Yeah, you know, and that sucks. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of things. Like, I, th- I, f- I felt a little bit of that wonder when I played Breath of the Wild for the first time. Yeah. I feel like that game is, is a pretty monumental work. Does a really good job. Yeah, I was playing uh, Ocarina of Time the other day. I got my N64 back up and running. Cool. Just cool. for nostalgic reasons. I also play... I, I used to play a, a lot of Magic, like, semi-professionally, and then I played the Final Fantasy card game, and uh, the original Star Wars CCG, I still play a lot, so I do that, and um, I go fishing. <laughs> I go fishing. Uh, <laughs> virtually, <laughs> in real life or virtually? Because Ball. I go fishing on Final Fantasy fourteen from time to time. Uh, fishing and cool. Fishing in 15 is great. I love it. It is. It really is. It's one of the the best parts of that game, really. Um, uh, I love fishing in all video games, though. But no, yeah, real. real, I like the outside. I like trees a lot. Big fan of trees. Like if you if you read my comics, you notice this motherfucker's putting trees everywhere. Um, Just like them, you know. So I pretty much I go fishing just so I have a reason to stand outside by a lake and not look like a weirdo. <laughs> but yeah, I do that. Uh, I listen to records, I play some music. I'm not a very good singer, so my music career kind of failed. But I used to play in a lot of folk bands and stuff. Preach! No, no, no I uh, I am a wannabe uh, musician myself, man. So I feel oh, that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but no, th- that's dope. Uh, on music, what's your what's your jam? Um, 
you know, Radiohead, Built to Spill, Wilco, Fiona Apple, you know, nice. Dylan, Neil Young, Nirvana, kind of stuff. A little bit of everything. Talking Heads, <laughs> Elliot Smith. Elliot Smith, God, he'll come on shuffle sometimes on the car. I'm like, not today, Elliot. You're depressing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, listen, I listen to the Chrono Trigger soundtrack all the time. Nice. Yeah, I'm just uh, just trying. I'm just trying to think of like uh, like some bullet points that we just try to like help our listeners kind of get get to know who we're talking to a little bit. So sure. just get you with a couple quick ones, favorite movie and why? Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Yes, I feel like it's very interestingly made in that. When you watch it alone, it's very melancholic and sad. When you watch it with somebody else, it is like bittersweet and funny. And I think that means it's really brilliantly made. I have never seen that. We're going to watch it tonight. Are we? Are uh, we? I'm going to force you to. Oh, great. <laughs> it's Wes Anderson. You yeah. know, Rush, Rushmore, Bottle Rocket. Okay. I was going to go play Minecraft, but I guess I'm watching a movie tonight. You Are you 11? <laughs> no, Minecraft is dope. I'm just giving you shit, man. <laughs> Wow, I'm just getting ripped apart tonight. I'm probably gonna play Apex later and like eat a shitty. <laughs> oh my god, there. that game sucks. I'm sorry. Uh, you guys are mean. I'm you're sorry. Not, you're not good at it, huh? That's too bad. I watch, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, uh, I watch Camry play it all the time, yeah. and I tried. I tried one oh, game, buddy. and I just got destroyed, and okay. I refused to pick it up again. My, my 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 best buddy is just garbage at it, but he tries to play it anyways. I love him, but you know. It's rough. It's a, that's a pretty some, hard FPS. I love some battle. I love some battle royale, and uh, that's the gist of it. From my understanding of what I saw, was that it's a. Battle it has a three v three team deathmatch now. But, okay, well, yeah. I didn't know that. I don't play, so it's I, brand I don't new. That. So, yeah. But like, yeah. I'm a battle royale guy. I thought that yeah. I would be sold on it, but games like that give me anxiety. I also got Pokemon Snap. On. Do what? I got Pokemon Snap. Oh, Ooh. speaking of Pokemon, I just picked <laughs> up uh, Pokemon Sword. Uh, what, like oh, cool. four days ago. Yep. I love that game. It is it's the first Pokemon game I've played in years. So mm. to me, it's everything that I wanted in a Pokemon game whenever I was 12 years old. Yeah, I think if you haven't played one in a while, it's a lot better. I think if you played like most of the recent ones, it's a little disappointing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's kind of depends on your expectations. So I'm glad it's, you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's for me, I, I guess it's just the shock of seeing it go from i think the last one that i seriously played was probably i think i think the last one i played was diamond mm -hmm. so it's been a few generations and seeing it go from that and i thought that was amazing to i like, think soul silver is my favorite soul silver oh my god i stopped playing after red and blue i <laughs> honestly <laughs> gold and silver were my favorite like generation of the Pokemon games. How old are you? What's that? How old are you? Eleven. Oh, I'm 29. <laughs> yeah, okay, I get that makes sense. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those were my jam. I mean, I yeah. I felt like it was there was enough. Po there was more Pokemon than just the 151, but there wasn't too many at that point. In so America, there was always 152 because a Hohu was in the first episode of the anime. Oh, oh well, way to drop some knowledge on the yeah. normies. <laughs> sorry, sorry, bro. I feel like I just corrected you just, like, people, like, just an hour and a group of people and then put yourself in that group of people. <laughs> Self-deprecating, I guess. But you no, like, man. Join the group that you bash. <laughs> this is what you get for trying to argue about ghosts. Now I'm going to crush on yeah, you. Happens, man. No, this is uh, this is fun. This is fun. I was <laughs> looking. At, sorry, I was looking at your Instagram, and Tyler, I don't think knows this. It says that you're located in Seattle. 
Fuck yeah, I am. I Hell did yeah. know that. No, I feel stupid. I was the last one to learn this. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't yeah. really know where we were going to go from there. Uh, we're on the <laughs> peninsula. So we're only like two and a half hours away from each other. Yeah, I know, right? Like, it seems close, but no one wants to get around that shit. Tacoma sucks. I had half a mind <laughs> to try to drag you out here and have you do our first in-person uh, interview in probably fucking 12 episodes. Or no, no. We've only had 12. We've only I'd had say one like in eight, eight, eight episodes. Yeah. We had Alex, uh, Alec, and uh, Camry. Yeah, so, I mean, we had a couple, but most of them have just been here on Anchor. It would have been fun to have a little in-person thing going on, but... Well, maybe another time, man. Yeah, no, dude. I feel like we. If could... you guys want a barbecue or something, then I'll come out and do a show. So there we go. We'll have a. We'll throw the camera up. We'll uh, we'll get a we'll get a video feed going on this. Uh, barbecues in my Tyler and Adams pretentious barbecue. Heck yeah. Perfect. See, we've even got a title. Oh my god. We've got entertainment on tap. I've been wanting to say that. I think it's funny. So yeah. As a bartender, <laughs> I find it offensive. <laughs> do, do you get it, Miles? Do you get it? Do you have to I, I get it, man. I'm, I'm with it. I'm hip. I think it's hilarious, and even after explaining it, I still think it's hilarious. But, hey, Miles, do you have any – I feel like we should uh, probably start winding things down, but uh, mm-hmm. do you have any you have any words of wisdom or final uh, – Yeah, don't listen to that flat earth guy who doesn't believe in science. Um, but but yeah, listen to our episode. episode. Listen to nice the episode. Guy. Yeah, no, listen to the episode, but don't listen to him. Just listen to the hosts. I like him. I just don't agree. <laughs> oh, you had a question about the Big Bang, didn't one of you? You didn't like it? I don't even remember. It's been so long. No, oh, why no, do you, you seem like you weren't down with it? So I, was, I, I, was gonna... I am pro Big Bang. I like to okay. think that that's like a good way to look at the origin of the universe. But homeboy, flat Earth guy was not about it. Well, and... so he's a creationist. He was trying to dodge that. Um, it, like when he said that it was a projection, or he said the moon was created. He he believes the world was created, and so yeah. I don't know what his exact theology is, but that guy's definitely a creationist. So. I did not even pick up on that. Yeah. So. Well, it's it's just like how you know some like there's like it's like a dog whistle. It's like little tiny things that they say, you know. But as somebody who listens to these people talk all the time and used to have to argue with them, I I know their tricks. So. No, I mean I'll give the guy credit. Hey Spencer, I know you're probably gonna listen to this. I mean, oh, you yeah. might, maybe tweet, not. Tweet but... at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is between you and Miles. I mean, you already know my opinion on things. <laughs> no, that's fine. And my my opinion is that guy's been misled by an internet community, and he's probably curious and a good person, but uh, he, he's fallen into a bad crowd intellectually. So that's my opinion. I like your opinions, Miles. Yeah, they're good sometimes. Bit forceful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, man, I didn't know what we were going to get into whenever we decided to, you know, get, you know, contact you and have you come on. But I feel like you've given me a different perspective on things and you've made me have a different way of kind of looking at some basic things that I've really never I've never really considered things the way you you put them, I guess. Well, that's cool, man. Like, I mean, I don't know if I'm right about everything. You know, I'm not a fucking expert, but like I said, I just try my best to believe the most true things I can and, you know, get rid of the most, like, get rid of all the untrue things out of my brain I can to just understand reality the best I can. And I'm sure other people do it a lot better than me, you know, but like, it's just a struggle to just try to check yourself. So. That's that's reasonable. And uh, you're a logical dude. And hopefully our 
listeners uh, were able to take something from this as I mean the way I was able to and Adam I mean we're I've taken so many things away from this yeah I mean you you've been kind of uh kind of sitting there fiddling with your phone I'm and not phone fiddling <laughs> well what's good is okay nobody can nobody can accuse me of being pretentious because if you listen to this podcast what did you expect exactly right so I mean like that's on you if you didn't I mean, want to hear someone being pretentious for an hour and 20 minutes and I, should not have logged into this podcast. Right, it's on them. So. I, I, I had my phone in my hand, Tyler, because I realized, and this is just... I, I just had, had to call you out, man. I have, I have severe ADD, and like, I just manage it well. But I was looking over here, and I was like, this paper bag that's folded up in the corner of my floor in my room, it has a wrinkle in it that kind of looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's paranormal right there. It's, Let's it's really that. weird. Here, I'll show you. It I'll must show you. be your soul. No, it, maybe it is. But like this bag wrinkled looks like me oh, in the face. Oh, he took a picture of it. It, it <laughs> actually <laughs> it looks Miles, just like me. <laughs> Miles, I know you can't see this right now, but it does kind of look like him. I'm not even. I'm not I, even... I believe. I believe you, man. I'm not here to debunk that. Like when it was that song, it's like, do you ever feel like a plastic bag? I'm like, yeah, I feel like a paper one. <laughs> you know? uh, I don't know that song. It's a Katy Perry song. We're going to shop that part out. <laughs> We're keeping that. We're I know fake plastic trees. That's good. Paper bag by Fiona Apple. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call it that. <laughs> Fiona it was girl. a man, but it was just a paper bag. <laughs> at some point, um, Adam, uh, remind me before I uh, say goodbye to everybody at the end of this, but I, I feel like this is the episode where we start shouting people out for the, the patron. We should really totally do that. Yeah, we need to remember to do that. I feel like we should have done it last episode, but... We should do it every episode. We, we forgot. Sorry, yeah, Miles. Yeah. <laughs> Make a little mental note there. <laughs> no, it, it's cool, guys. I mean, I fucking talked way too much, so I feel bad. So do No, honestly... Thank you so much for being a talker because uh, we've you're one of my favorites so far. Yeah, we've had a couple of guests it. on here that aren't so talkative, and uh, Man, it means it. it means we have to talk more. Yeah, we've already we, learned that we're not good at doing that most of the time. Yeah, why? Why do you think we have guests on every episode? <laughs> But hey, man! Uh, any any final final thoughts? I mean, just I know we said that once already, but then we That's just okay. buy my books, uh, buy them for your friends, <laughs> and uh, you know, don't believe a bunch of stupid shit. Try checking out science. That's all I got to say. Word noise. Hey, Miles, thank you. It's been a blast. Keep it real, man. All right, cheers, guys. Hey guys, that was uh, Miles Greb. He is a science advocate, skeptic, and just a rad dude. He kind of kind of put things into perspective and gave us a little bit of a, a different avenue of looking at just the way everything works. I guess I don't really know how to put that into words, but beautifully phrased, yeah, Tyler. Yeah, hey, I'm not. <laughs> Hey, I, I'm. I feel like that was beautifully phrased. I and, don't think it was. Hey, Miles, thank you so much, man. You're awesome. And before we wrap things up tonight, and before I forget, we do we do need to give a little shout out to our patrons. And at that, I mean, Adam, you're one of them. So I am one of them yeah. because I'm shamelessly self promoting so, myself. Thanks, Adam. You're yeah. welcome, Adam and Tyler. Yeah, you're the. <laughs> you literally got our faces on a on a on a cup right now. And so. on a t-shirt. And on a t-shirt. But and really and a sticker. Quality. Oh, I do have a sticker. So it's on my laptop. Yeah, I mean, you're our biggest fan. But uh, to everybody else, uh, Lori, thank you so much. Spencer, Lauren, Lauren. Who else? Patrick, Lonnie. Am I missing anybody? I feel like we should have had a list. If you're missing, I feel like you should have had one. I thought you did. Camry, <laughs> thank you so much, all of you guys. 
I think that's everybody. Yes. And if it's yeah. not, I swear to God. Yeah. No, seriously. Thank you for supporting us financially. It's uh, it's slowly but surely helping us upgrade our gear and buy stickers and all kinds of other stuff that kind of keeps this thing going. And we appreciate it. And to our listeners, if you want to show us a little support by subscribing to our Patreon, it gets you a couple of cool perks. We have some sweet merch. Stickers. Stickers. Mugs. More stickers. Maybe t-shirts one day. We haven't gotten that far yet. Possibly a third sticker. Yeah, definitely stickers. <laughs> lots of lots of adhesive merchandise yet. But at that, uh, I think I think we're going to wrap things up for the, uh, the evening. And with that being said, this has been Tyler and Adam's Pretentious Podcast. As always, have a good night. Bye, y'all.